Hi, I'm Jason. Welcome to Worship at Schweitzer. We're so glad that you're here. If you're new worshiping with us for the first time, we'd like to invite you to hit the connect button. Let us know that you're here. We'd love to send you a digital gift card to Starbucks. And if you'd like to invite somebody to join you in worship today, hit the invite button. You'll be able to send a quick little invitation and somebody can join you now or later in the day to worship. Today, we're going to continue in our series, Jesus is Greater, week seven. It's the new family coming to us from the last part of Colossians 3. It's going to be great. Stephanie Hassey is coming up in just a moment to share with us some ways that we can engage and grow deep in our faith, connect in ministry here at Schweitzer. Let's take a listen. Hi, I'm Stephanie, and here's what's going on at Schweitzer this week. Thanksgiving time is almost here. Can you believe it? And in November, we're doing something really special. From November 12th through the 24th, we'll be celebrating the 12 days of Thanksgiving. During this time, we'll be collecting items for our local neighborhood school, Pittman Elementary, and the students there that need maybe a little extra help at home during the fall. Items like canned soup, cereal, canned fruit, and other items will be collected you can either bring them on Sunday morning here in person or to the office anytime during those 12 days. We'll also be giving you some more details in the coming weeks about how you can share something you're thankful for online during that time. Find out more at sumcco 12 days. Hey parents, we know you're always looking for new and unique ways to encourage your kids and our kids ministry team at Schweitzer wants to help. Every week, there's a new online kids' church service you can enjoy with your kids. It uploads every week at noon on Wednesdays, and you can enjoy this service anytime with your kids. It involves Bible stories, memory verses, songs, skits, and lots more. Find out more at sumc.co slash kids. We're so excited about the growth of our online service. And with that, for those of you who are not early birds, we're adding an exciting new service at 6 p.m. online in the evenings beginning November 8th. This will be the same service that you see in the morning, same music, same message, but will allow even more people to get involved in the chat and the online live prayer features that are available there. This is a new and exciting way that we can continue to grow this online community so that we can worship with those who aren't necessarily our neighbors, but might be clear across the world. What an exciting time for us here at Schweitzer. Thanks, Stephanie. We're excited about the things happening here at Schweitzer. We'd love for you to engage with us. You can do that in the chat window. You can do that by hitting the prayer button. Let us know that you're here. And now KJ is going to lead us in the song Echo.
What a great song. I really liked out of that song, this lyric, in every season, you keep repeating promises to me. It just spoke to me as, as a reminder of God's goodness, of God's care, of God's leading in every moment, in every time, in this place where we're at right now. In this season, uh, when we come to a time of prayer, we've been using the prayers that were in the book, Jesus is Greater. And this prayer today really speaks back as a as a reply back to God for his promises to us. It's called Domestic Days. If you've got the book, I'd invite you to pray along with me. High King of heaven, you showed yourself among us as the servant of all, speaking stories of a kingdom to come, a kingdom in which those who spend themselves for love, even in the humblest of services will not be forgotten, but whose every service lovingly rendered will be seen from that far vantage as the planting of a precious seed blooming into eternity. And so I offer this small service to you, O Lord, for you make no distinction between those acts that bring a person the wide praise of their peers and those unmarked acts that are accomplished in quiet obedience without accolade. You see instead the heart, the love, and the faithful stewardship of all labors, great and small. And so in your loving presence, I undertake the task that you have set before me. O oh God, grant that my heart might be ordered aright, that you may receive this service. 
that I may have increasing joy and you have increasing glory. Amen. And now I invite you to join me in praying the prayer that Jesus taught us and continues to teach us with. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Today, we get to hear from a great servant leader, volunteer leader at Schweitzer by the name of Freddie Lane as he talks about a great ministry here, the food pantry. Let's take a listen. Hello, Schweitzer. My name is Freddie Lane. I supervise the warehouse in the food pantry. Uh, during the COVID situation, we have had limitations and we've been able to figure out how to do things from one change. We have never done anything the same. During the month of September, we served 1,104 guests, which is an increase of 636 guests from August. We also have been associated with Associated Wholesale Grocers, which donates food to us. We use part of this for our food pantry, and the other part of it, we donate to other food pantries and other organizations within Southwest Missouri. We're so thankful for what Schweitzer does to us to help us, and we're so grateful that we can make such a big difference in the community of Springfield. Thanks, Freddie, and your team. You do a great work of ministry here at Schweitzer. If you'd like to be a part, call the church. We've got a spot for you. If you live outside Springfield, find a food pantry in your community where you can extend the ministry of Jesus. If you'd like to give and be a part of the ministry that way, you can go to sumc.co slash give. Thank you for your generosity. Up next is Marsha Mankin leading us in a great song.
Marsha, thank you so much for leading us in worship. This year at Schweitzer, we've been having a series, 52 stories, God's activity in the lives of people, everyday people like you and me. Up next, we get to hear from Mark Sponsler. I came here in 2009. I've been a part of the food pantry and I've, I'm a, go to Sunday school with Word Alive. Uh, my, my mother brought me here. I um, had a stroke in 2008. I was completely paralyzed and right, couldn't talk. And um, I couldn't drive the first, for the, well, for the better part of a year, I couldn't drive. And so I used to be a member over at Kingsway and mom was a member here. And so she said, well, I'll take you to, take you to church but I'm not going to take you to Kingsway, although I, I like Kingsway, fine, but I'm not going to take you there and drop you off and bring you over to Schweitzer. So I wound up over here, and, I, and she says, oh, by the way, you're going to go to Sunday school. And so I went upstairs to uh, Word Alive, and I found out those people had been praying for me. And it was you know, really meaningful for me, and, and uh, I uh, stuck with the, you know, stuck with it ever since. So, uh, the Halloween of 2008, I was getting ready to go to work. Um, I had an appointment with a at a urologist with a urologist to show them a uh, new device that had was selling at that time, and I was doing push-ups, and um, I was working out and doing push-ups, and. I went over and, and sat down in my chair, and I, I, it was like crystal breaking in my head. Is the only way I can describe it. Um, and I just slowly fell, you know, slipped out of my chair, and I, on, it was on the floor, and I, I knew I couldn't talk, and so I tried to get my way out back out to the foyer of the house and to be there, be there for my uh, wife to find me at the time. I, you know, um, it's not like I would wish it on my worst enemy, but uh, the, the stroke uh, has been a blessing for me. Um, and my, you know, it kind of turned my attention around. And it led me to meet more people that, you know, that. Um, brought people into my life that uh, were important to me. And uh, um, first one being a, a speech therapist, that uh, she came and helped me to learn to speak again. She says, read my lips. And, and I started, uh, and I read her lips and, and then I started talking again. By the, by the end of the week, the first week, I could talk again. It just brought, you know, just brought to me that, you know, that I gotta be, I gotta, you know, hang in there, number one, and get, to get better, and just trust in God that He will get me better. And then afterward, you know, I need to be conscious and be uh, be be a a light for other people in the world. And, and uh, so, yeah. I am Mark Sponsler, and this is just the beginning of my story.
Well, friends, welcome today. My name is Spencer. I'm the pastor, and uh, it is so good to share this time with you. I want to say thank you to Mark for sharing his story with us in our 52 stories. I think that's story number 43 as we've gone through the year. I'm hearing different ways that God is at work in our church, and it's always so good to hear these. these. So thank you, Mark, for sharing your story. Uh, Today, we're on part seven of the series called Jesus is Greater. We're spending eight weeks reading through the book of Colossians, just going line by line, um, reading through this and learning um, eight different ways these eight weeks that Jesus is greater, because that's the whole theme of Colossians, that that Jesus is greater. He's greater than anything and everything. And so we're just seeing eight reminders of of how uh, he is greater than, than absolutely everything. And now today, as we, as we move through this, today's going to be um, uh, interesting. It's going to be interesting because we're going to handle a, a passage today that uh, if we weren't going line by line, we might be a little tempted to just skip right on past this one. Uh, it's, a, it's a little bit more complicated. There's, there's going to be parts of this where you read this, and, and to our modern minds and our, and our modern worldview, it's, it's going to be a, a challenging kind of passage um, for a lot of us. A lot of us are going to read this and be like, well, that's really old-fashioned kind of thinking. But as we go through this, one of the reasons I like to do line by line um, preaching through passages, through Bibles, uh, books of the Bible is because it, it forces you uh, sometimes to deal with things that otherwise you might just want to move right on past. But we believe, you know, the whole Bible is uh, the inspired Word of God. And so we want to deal with passages that are, that are even difficult for us. And so today we're going to deal with one of those. Um, Colossians 3, we're going to read verses 18 through chapter 4, verse 1. It's only eight verses. Um, and we're going to read through this. I'm going to read through it one time and then no commentary, no, no comments at all. And then we'll go back through it and look through it because it's broken up to, to three parts, three different relationships um, that we see that Paul's going to lift up today. So here's how it goes. Colossians 3, starting verse 18. It says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you but to curry their, and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ your servant. Anyone who does wrong will be paid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. And so we see three relationships mentioned here. Uh, wives and husbands, children and fathers, and then slaves and masters. I want you to notice how that pattern worked. Each time it was uh, the person with less power and then the person with more power. Wives and then husbands, children and then fathers, slaves and then masters. And, and that pattern is, is important. And hint, hint, this is what we're going to be talking today is this, this dynamic that we see with, with power within these relationships. So as we, as we move through this, uh, this, this passage here, we're going to break this up into these three parts and talk about each one of these parts, each one of these relationships as we do this. But before we, we go through these relationships, we need to remember that what we're reading wasn't written in a vacuum, that this is part of something much, much larger. And so we might be tempted just to, to jump right into these passages here that are, that are difficult. You hear wives, meet your husbands, you're kind of thinking to yourself, really, that, that, that's what the Bible teaches. But, but we need to, to remember and to think about this in a, in a bigger context, because this is part of a larger um, thing that Paul, who's writing this, is, is teaching us. And, and it's part of a, a longer letter. And, and even within this letter, it's part of a, a longer section. It's, it's part of a, a bigger frame of thought that this fits within to. And, and it doesn't make a lot of sense unless you talk about this within the, the bigger context context of what Paul is saying. So 
This passage about these relationships, it's really in a a bigger context about the new life that we have in Christ, the section that starts in Colossians chapter 3. We we read some of this last week as we went through line by line, and and this is all how it fits together. So I think it's helpful to think in the big picture about this context. And so let's go back and just think about how this fits together, because it's a part of this bigger bigger section that starts in Colossians 3 verse 1. And here's how Colossians 3 verse 1 starts. We read this last week. It goes, Since then, you have been raised with Christ, Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And so we have this uh, beginning section here about this new life that we have um, in Christ, that you have an old life and you have this new life. And if you're going to live in Christ, it's going to be in this new kind of way of living, this new life that we have. And, and if we're going to live in the new life, of course, we've got to put to death the old life and the, and the ways that we used to live, which is what Paul's going to outline in Colossians 3. So if you keep reading through this, this bigger section of Colossians 3, the next thing Paul says, verse 5, he says, exactly that. You've got to put to death, therefore, he says, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, the old life. If you're going to live into the new life, you've got to put to, get to death the old life. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Listen to this list. Um, sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Five things there. If you think about those five things that all belong to the old life, they all have kind of one thing in common. They're all about how uh, we want to do whatever it is that we want to do. All of these things are about how we want to satisfy and, and gratify ourselves. That we, it doesn't matter, you know, who we hurt or who we step on or what we want to do as long as, as long as we get to do what we want to do. This is what all of these things um, kind of have in common. And, and it's, it's not insignificant that, uh, that as you read through this list of the old life, that sexual immorality and lust and these evil desires comes up because as we're talking through these relationships today about how we live into this new life, it's, it's significant that as we talk about these relationships that have to do with power and how power works, that we're going to talk about things in the old life that have to do with things like sexual immorality and lust and evil desires and these kinds of things where we might use our power um, for other people, especially as we think about this power dynamic as it relates to men and women. So you might be tempted to hear this line, wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your wives, as being old-fashioned and not really relevant but for today. And until you start to think about how power dynamics work, especially dynamics between men and women. I, I think, for instance, about how in our modern world, it's been widely reported that one in five American women, like in our culture, American women, one in five American women will experience rape or attempted rape. One in three American women will experience some sort of sexual assault in their lifetime. Like those are huge, huge, huge numbers that, that speak directly to this kind of, kind of thing because those are huge numbers of, of women who have experienced someone using their power um, to, to, to harm them. And we're going to read through here as we look at Colossians 3 and this relationships that we have here is that the old life is about how I use my power, I use what I have in order to do what I want. It's all about me gratifying my desires. And so we might be tempted to think this is old-fashioned, but this is just as current today as it ever has been. We need to be rethinking how we use power, how we um, live for ourselves, and how we live then for others. And so part of the living into the new life that we're being presented here in Colossians 3 is that we got to put to death the old life, where we just live for ourselves and live for what we want to do. And so Paul's going to outline this a little bit more, and here's what the new life looks like. We move to verse 12. He says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 
bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So the old life is all about how I use my power to do what I wanna do. It's about me gratifying my desires. The new life, the life that's in Christ though, is about love. It's about me serving and sacrificing and sharing with others and living a life of compassion and mercy and rethinking even how I think about the power that I have in my life. It's, it's totally different. And so everything we're about to read here, these three relationships are all based in this context of rethinking how we use power and how the old life was about me and this new life is about love. And so as I think about the, this new life, what Paul's gonna do here as we think about these three relationships is he's gonna take these really big abstract ideas about the life of love and he's gonna bring it home and to say, well, here's what this looks like in the closest of relationships within those that you live with. So here's how it goes. Let's look at these three relationships. We've read them once already, but let's unpack them more, more deeply. Here's the first one. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to, in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. I had a friend one time who pointed out to me, great observation, that this uh, line here, wives submit your husbands, husbands love your wives, is great marriage advice uh, written by a man, Paul, who was never married. <laughs> it's great marriage advice in, in that way. And we hear this, right? Husbands, uh, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. You're like, really? Like you, you hear this and you just, you scratch your head at this. Wives submit to your husbands. And, and some of us, some of us hear this and, and, and some of our, us are thinking, there's no way. There's no, that's not how my, that's not how my house works. That's not how we're, we do it here. My house is more like a, more like a, if mama ain't happy kind of house. It's not like wives with your husbands. It's, it's totally opposite of that. And some of us hear this and it's, it's like old fashioned. It's, it's oppressive. Some of us might even use the word misogynistic as we read through these, these lines here. And, and we need to acknowledge that verses like these and, and these verses in particular, verses like them have been used to certainly harm women. I mean, there have, there have been ways that people have used these kinds of verses to, to, to push women into certain kinds of roles that the Bible's not teaching us. And so your initial reaction to these verses, wives, submit to your husbands, it might be really negative. Um, but I want to encourage you to say that there's, there's a lot more at work here than just this initial reaction because the Bible's not teaching us that this means that wives are supposed to be a doormat. Or it's not teaching us that, uh, that a woman's role is only in the home or that, or that uh, husbands are going to make every decision about what life looks like. That's not what the Bible's teaching us at all. There's, there's a dynamic here that's really about, about power. And so let me, let me point out two details here about these, these verses to start. First, I want you to notice that while it starts with wives, um, and wives are told to do this, uh, this submitting that, that's here in the Bible, which is probably a word that many of us bristled against as when we heard this, I just want you to notice a small detail about this word. Um, it's written in the active voice, meaning that it's not written to say wives be submissive or wives are submissive, as if to say that just by nature of your gender, uh, you are to submit, but, but rather it's, it's a choice. There's like action in this. There's agency in this, as we might say. There's a choice that's being given. There's a way that you can choose to live in your marriage relationship that's a, that's a certain way. There's like, there is power that's given to you in this, in this way that this is written. But the, really the place where we need to really think about though is this, this question about how husbands then are called to, to love their wives. You see, again, this wasn't written in a vacuum. This was written to a local church 
in the first century in a Roman city that existed in the Roman Empire. And a, a household in the Roman Empire in the first century, it worked really one way. The man of the house, the husband, the father, the man of the house, uh, that he was expected to rule his house much like Caesar ruled the empire. That in a Roman household in the first century, what the husband thought, what the husband did, what the husband wanted was all that mattered. Women had no rights. They had no legal protection. They were not allowed to be citizens of the Roman Empire. They were not allowed to own property. They, they could not testify in court. They had no legal protection whatsoever. Uh, women really belonged to their husband. In fact, when a girl was growing up, she was thought to be belonging to her father. And then when, when she married and when her, her father arranged for her marriage, she would then belong to her husband like she had belonged to her father. This is the context of of Colossians 3, this is the, the folks who would have received this in the Roman Empire, that the husband rules the house much like Caesar rules the empire. Whatever he wants, it, that's what happens. And so as you're reading through here, and, and Paul writes, wives, submit to your husbands, what you would expect him to say next then is, therefore, husbands, uh, rule your wives. That's, that's the, kind of what a normal Roman household would have looked like, but that's not what he said. Paul said this, he said, husbands, love your wives. This is a, a brand new way of thinking and it has major, major uh, things for us to think through because let's, let's think about that word, that word there, love. What, what does it mean to love your wife? Again, this is written in Greek, not in English. And in Greek, there's four words that have you, we usually translate into the word love in English. In English, we have one word. In Greek, there are four words that are translated into love. And, and this word that's been translated here as, as love has nothing to do with uh, romance or, or, or sex or affection. Like, husbands love your wife. That's nothing about date night or flowers or anything like that. Husbands love your wife. Th this word that's been translated as love is, is a famous Greek word. You've probably heard it before. It's the Greek word um, agape. Husbands agape your wife. And agape is, is not about romance or sex or affection. It's, it's all about sacrifice. Let me give you a great example of agape. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world, God so agape the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not die but have everlasting life. For God so loved, the, this is agape, for God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his son, he sacrificed himself for us. This is, this is the model of agape. When Paul writes for husbands to love their wives, He's, he's writing to these men who have absolute power and he's sharing with them this call that because of the new life, don't use your power just for yourself. Use your power to sacrifice, to put her first. Because this is what it means to sacrifice is that it's no longer about your ambitions and what you want to be true. It's no longer about your agenda and what you think and your ideas. Now it's about her because she comes first. If, if you're going to sacrifice for her, it means that she is going to come first in absolutely everything. And so I think practically about this. Like what happens in a marriage when you have two spouses who are both committing to putting the other person first? Because that's really the, the pattern that we're reading here. Wives submit to your husbands is about making yourself less and putting him first. Husbands love your wives is about making yourself less and putting her first. So what happens in a marriage? When you have 
both spouses actively seeking to put the other person first? Well, I, I would say, I mean, the word I would use if that's the situation is I, I would say that's, that's health. Health is what happens because that sounds incredibly healthy. Like that sounds like an incredibly healthy marriage if you have two people who are both actively seeking to serve and to put the other person first. And I, and I think then about it, like modern marriage in, in our culture, like that's as radical today as it was then because in modern marriage today, like the way modern marriage usually works is it's, it's usually like a constant battle for who's going to be in charge and who's going to make the decision and, 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 and who's going to call the shots. And there's like these power dynamics that are at work and, and we're, we're fighting with each other for, for who's going to be in charge. I mean, think about this, like, like if you're married, ha- have you ever had an argument with your spouse over something that's like really silly, like, like who emptied the dishwasher last? Why in the world do we get in arguments about something silly like who emptied the dishwasher last? Well, well, I'll tell you why. It's because we keep score. We're, we're trying to tally up, like, how many things have I done and how many things has she done? And, and if I've done more, then that means I get to, like, not do it this time and it's her time to do it because I'm not looking for ways to serve. I'm just looking for ways for the tally to be, to be balanced. That's a power dynamic. Or, or I think about this. I think about this. Have you ever had an, an argument with your spouse where you're, you think you're talking about one thing over here And then all of a sudden, the argument turns into this other thing over here that happened like three years ago. And you're thinking to yourself, what in the world? Where did this come from? All of a sudden, we're talking about this thing from three years ago. It has nothing to do with this other thing that we're actually talking about. Why why does that happen? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because we're, we're holding on to hurts and we don't practice forgiveness, which is really a way of humility that we're gonna, we're gonna forgive one another. It's, it's a power dynamic that's at work. Or, or, or I think about this. Have you ever been around a married couple where, he just puts her down in front of other people or she mocks him in front of others. And, and you're thinking to yourself, like you're in this situation, you're watching this happen and it's uncomfortable because you're thinking this is not how marriage is supposed to work, that you're just like have this contempt for one another in, in public and like, why, why do people do that? I'll tell you why, it's a, it's a power dynamic. We're, we're fighting for who's in charge and who's gonna call the shots and, and who's gonna be the top. And, and this, is, this is how a lot of modern marriages work. Like we would be well off to listen to this wisdom of wives submit to your husbands and husbands love your wives because what we see here is this call to use your power in a way to love others. It's rethinking how all of these relationships work. And so as we keep going through here, we're gonna see the same dynamic at work that if If you're going to use your life, your power, your abilities, don't use it for yourself. Use it for the others. This is the next relationship. Here's how it goes. Verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Now, you you may notice here that... um, as you read through here, children obey your parents. This sounds like 10 commandments. You can hear this, but I also, you see the same pattern here. Children, uh, the powerless, here's a choice that you have to make and how you're going to respond. And, and again, fathers, here's a choice and how you're going to live with the power that you have. And I want you to notice a small detail here that when this is written, verse 21, it's written specifically to uh, fathers. That's not to say that we shouldn't read this today as being both, about both parents, but it's specifically written to fathers because again, in the Roman Empire, in the first century, in a Roman city like Colossae, Fathers rule their house like Caesar rules the empire. He has absolute power. Fathers can do to their children basically anything they want. 
There's no legal protection for kids. They, he, they can beat them. They can, they can put them in chains. A father could put this child in prison. No trial, nothing like that. He could just show up and put his child in prison. That's how, that's how it worked then. Uh, fathers could legally, in the Roman Empire, kill their children, legally. A father could make a decision when a baby girl was born. He could make a decision all by himself to just abandon the baby girl because girls were seen as such inferior uh, people that he could just abandon the baby girl at the city gates, walk away. Mother had nothing to say about it. The father alone made this decision. He had absolute authority over his, power, over his, his household. And not only that, it wasn't just when they, were, when they were little that he had this kind of authority. It extended even into adult life. An adult child, he would have arranged for his adult children to be married. He could then arrange for them against their will to be divorced. Like he had absolute Power And so Paul says, hey, fathers, the old way of life is about you using your power, your ability, your voice, whatever it is you have for yourself. But now, don't be harsh on your kids. Grow them, build them up, use your power to benefit them. This is about the old life versus the new life. The new life is where we use our life to benefit others and to bless others because we live a life of love. This is the pattern that we see in each of these relationships. We're gonna move to the last one here. Last one's a bit more complicated, um, but it follows the same basic pattern. Here we go, verse 22. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for the wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Now, this, again, this relationship, it follows the same pattern. It's more complicated, of course. We're talking about slaves and their masters. And many of us might point out that the Bible here, what Paul writes, it's troubling because it doesn't directly condemn slavery. And, and we need to acknowledge that uh, verses like these uh, were, have been used to create and cause tremendous harm to generations of people. I mean, just tremendous harm. In our own country, in our own American history, verses like these, these verses and others like them, were used to justify slavery because people would look at these verses and be like, Paul didn't condemn slavery, therefore slavery must be God's, God's will, and, and which is just a, a terrible, terrible, terrible reading of the Bible. And, and so we might, we might be troubled by this, and, and I get it. Um, I think there's quite a few reasons um, why Paul writes it like this. And, and I would just offer you this. If um, this is something that is, is troubling to you, it, it, it is, is a difficult thing to, to walk through. I'm not going to get into the reasons why I don't think Paul condemns slavery directly in this passage, although I think there's some, some good reasons why he doesn't. And um, if this is something that you would like to talk about more, I just want to offer you my email address, smith, sumc.co. Send me a note. I would love to talk with you in more detail about this. I don't have the time to get into it this morning, though. Because what I want you to see this morning is that despite how this doesn't directly condemn slavery, what I want you to see is that there is a rethinking of power. Because once again, you see this thing. Slaves, you have a choice. Here's the choice that you have and how you're going to live. You have agency in this. You have an ability to make a choice. But, but more than that, masters, those who rule their household as Caesar rules the Roman Empire, you have a choice in how you're going to live. Because you could use your power, again, to do absolutely anything you want, or you can use your power to benefit others, which is what Paul's writing here. 
Be fair. Be right. Don't show favoritism because the Lord doesn't. And, and, and on this, you should acknowledge the slave owner, that you, the master, that you are, you're going to be held accountable for this. Like this is the same kind of dynamic that's at play, that those who have power are going to be called to use their power to benefit others. Because really what all this is, as you put this together, it's a rethinking of how the old life has changed and now we live into this new life, this new life of love. Because the old life was all about who's in charge. It's about who's calling the shots. It's about power dynamics and trying to climb the ladder and being the most important person and making sure that what I want to happen is what happens. But in the new life, the life that's found in Christ, this is, this is all about love. It's about using my power, my gifts, my ability, what I have, my resources to benefit others. And so you have three relationships here where we're all being called to rethink power, to rethink who's in charge, and to rethink how we live for ourselves or how we live for others. Because you see, the Christian message, the Christian movement has never been about who's in charge. It's never been about who's calling the shots. It's never been about how I'm being served by others, but the Christian message, the Christian movement has always been about how the greatest among us will be the least, about how the leaders will be servants. It's, it's always been about how those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted, that, that we seek to make ourselves less and embrace an, an attitude of humility. And, and what Paul's doing, I think the genius of what Paul's doing is he's saying that that, that attitude of, of humility and service and sacrifice, it's not an abstract. It starts with people who are closest to you because this is how every Christian relationship is supposed to be run, that we live to serve others. I think, for instance, about another passage that Paul wrote, a bit more blunt and and to the point about how it is that all of our relationships are being rethought through Christ. And I think about what he writes in Philippians chapter 2. And Philippians 2 is a model for how all of our relationships, as we live into the new life, how all of our relationships are to be run. Listen to what he writes in Philippians 2. He says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, he says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That's the old life. Don't do it. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves because this is the new life. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. Verse five, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He made himself less. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. And so I wonder today, just a simple question for you. In your relationships with those who are closest to you, are you living the old life or the new life? Are you fighting over who's in charge and who's calling the shots and keeping score? Or rather, are you living a life of service and humility and sacrifice, actively seeking to put others first? Because this is the life, the new life that we have in Christ. You see, 
Jesus is greater because he invites us into a new kind of life. One that's not about who's in charge and who's calling the shots, but rather one that's about humility and sacrifice and service. And what we find in this new life is that it's so much more fulfilling than when we just live for ourselves. Let's pray. And so God, today I thank you for the change and the transformation that you bring to us. Now in our culture, in the way that we are grown up and the way that we live our lives, we have so many fights about who's gonna be in charge and we seek to live for ourselves and not for others. And there's so many ways that we just put our needs before other people. But in this new life that you've brought us into in Christ, this is about love. It's about sacrifice. It's about humility and service. I wanna pray today for our church. I, I, I pray for marriages in our church, that in our marriage relationships, that we might resemble this new life. I pray for families in our church who are raising kids, that parents would, would be actively seeking ways of, of growing their kids, not using their power to, to diminish or, or to hurt, but rather to, to bless and to grow. Father, may we be those who actively seek to put others first in every single relationship that we have, because this is the new life that we have in Christ, because this is exactly how Jesus has treated us. He gave himself for us. Us. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. You go before I know that you've even gone to win my war. Your love becomes my From the dry wilderness And all I did was praise All I did was worship All I did was bow Great.
Well, it's been great to share this morning with you as we've been rethinking how we use our lives uh, to benefit others, this new life in Christ that we want to serve and to live in humility and sacrifice for others. I want to thank those who made this morning happen. I want to thank uh, Jason and Freddie, Stephanie for leading us, for uh, Marsha and Lily and for Mark to share his story. It's so great that we can all have a, a role to play in this because this is certainly not just a one-man show. This is a, a church body that does this together. So thank you for your leadership today. Um, if this has been helpful for you, I encourage you to share this, this service with others. You can do that real easily by just clicking on the moment if you're watching this live or finding this on our YouTube or Facebook page. It is an incredible way to share this good news message of Jesus and the new life he has just by sharing this with others. So I encourage you and challenge you to do this. Who could you share this with today? Um, have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday.